the Illuminati, CERN, the Large Hadron Collider, CIA, FBI, Area 51, and Birds Aren't Real. Just kidding. Thank you, and welcome back. Thanks for tuning in to the Sunroom Musings. Uh, We welcome you back to another podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Matthew Eldridge, and this is your other host, Kimberly Simmons. And uh, we have got a great show lined up for you today. We are talking about conspiracy theories, something that I think we can all get into in one way or another. So um, without further ado, let's get the show started. Okay, so um, the track that you heard for the intro is by a band called Farpoint. Good buddy of mine, Kevin Jarvis, uh, composes the music for that one and has a talented crew of musicians to help him out with the recording and the performance thereof. Um, They're a prog rock group. Of course, I personally think that every single song on every album they produce should be just like the introduction to that song. That song was called Up To You from their album Paint The Dark, which has to be my personal favorite album uh, from Farpoint. Um, So, Kevin, take note of that. I want every song to be just like the intro from Up To You. Um, So, uh, today we're talking about conspiracy theories. And just to start off, just a little lighthearted banter here. Does anyone remember a guy by the name of David Icke? Uh, David Icke was this uh, guy who was really big in like conspiracy theory circles for many years. He might still be. He was once um, he was uh, once interviewed and and kind of made fun of a couple times. Honestly, I, I think he might be out of his gourd. Um, simply because for a time he thought that he was like the reincarnation of Jesus. Um, and, you know, of course he had all these weird theories about, um, you know, the, the reptilians and everyone being lizards and and that sort of thing. And of course we can talk about that later today. Yeah. But, you know, uh, so, so David Icke had some, I mean, I, I think he had some well-founded theories, especially in, in the, the regions of, you know, governments hiding information about, you know, um, extraterrestrial craft that they've um, reverse engineered and that sort of thing. But he also had some really, really kooky ideas as well, and um, definitely a huge ego. Um, but uh, yeah, he, he had to be, you know, a definite honorable mention um, for this podcast. Uh, but but anyways, um, we're going to talk about um, different conspiracy theories, both um, utterly ridiculous and ones that are more believable and probably have substantial evidence to back them up. Um, and of course, we're going to talk about some of our personal favorite conspiracy theories. Um, so, uh, you know, birds aren't real. You know, birds are squirrels that are walking around in feathered costumes. That's not the conspiracy theory. What's the (laughs) (laughs) conspiracy? Sorry, I thought I'd make my own up. No, the birds aren't real conspiracy theory is that pigeons are literally not real. And that the government has built these, like, robotic drones that look like pigeons because you don't see... Like, whenever you see a pigeon, you don't see... You're not like, oh, a pigeon. Right, you're just like, oh. Yes, they're the non-existent bird in our mind. Like, you're not, like, if you see an eagle, you're like, oh my gosh, everyone stare at that eagle. Yeah. Not yeah. pigeons. Pigeons are the invisible bird of the world. Right. Pigeons have crept in and, and are able to go about our society freely 
and and being noticed but not being noticed exactly yeah it's like the sherlock holmes theory about like what is it cab drivers how they're the invisible humans you Mm -hmm. see them but you don't see them right yeah. So are they are, like are they actual <laughs> physical drones? Is that what's being said, or are they just like figments of our imagination? And people are out in the parks like feeding nothing. No, that they are actually like physical drones. Okay. okay. And that ninety percent of the pigeon population is not real. That they are used to watch people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, you know, it's interesting because during the. Uh, during the the war um, towards um, like like Bay of Pigs and that sort of thing, where there was a lot of stuff going on in like Central and South America, um, there was a lot of um, talk about CIA experimentation with um, like uh, bioengineered organisms and um, enhanced organisms and that sort of thing. That they were basically experimenting with um you know started with small things like cockroaches and mice and that sort of thing and were basically wiring their neural net up to what you could basically say was a a remote control and were able to um remote control organisms and that's that's what they were called they were called rcos remote controlled organisms and that they basically uh, the rumor was is that they worked their way up to humans and actually had remote-controlled humans, um, some of them who were taken against their will and, um, and were subjected to painful, traumatic, you know, experiments and, and uh, procedures that allowed them to be controlled from afar. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's not, a, it's not a far-fetched idea that someone would come up with, like, a remote-controlled pigeon, at least. You know, even if it's not a, a robotic drone, but even if they had hooked up you know, monitoring devices, cameras, um, embedded in the, the, the eyes or the brain of the pigeon, something like that, so that they can monitor society. I mean, it makes sense. I mean, you've got so many pigeons out there, you've literally got eyes all over the place. Um, but, but yeah, for, I can't say that it's not true. Could be. But I think they have better ways to monitor society. I mean, the thing that you have in your hands right now. Your phone. But the 5G in my hand causing COVID. Uh, causing, I, I don't <laughs> know about COVID. Not, but. I know that's not funny. That's another conspiracy theory. Though. Is it? Yeah. That, that, that phones cause COVID? That 5G that caused 5G. COVID. Oh, no. I was. I heard something different about um, like cancer. Uh-huh. Cancer, too. Yeah. Yeah. That was as soon as 5G came out. Those were the two conspiracy right. theories. That but I think if that was true, Raj... Patel would definitely, because he's always on his phone. I didn't know we were name dropping out here. <laughs> okay. You know how many Raj Patels there are out in the world? Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> if yeah. you're a Raj Patel, we love you. We have met quite a few Raj Patels, we though, haven't you. we? Yeah. Uh, wow. Yeah, we have. Actually, if you pick up a catalog for I know like, four. yeah, if you if you pick up a catalog for like hotel industry owners, <laughs> you will find. Is that a conspiracy theory? Oh, that like Raj Patels are drones? They could be. <laughs> oh my gosh. They could indeed Just be. <laughs> a breeding ground of Raj Patels. <laughs> That's Area 51. That's right Area. There. We've solved it. They're just collecting human data. You know who the original conspiracy theorist was? Who was that? In general, sailors. Sailors? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, makes sense. Yeah. Because, I mean, you're adventuring, you don't know what's over the horizon. 
you see something in the water, you don't know what that is. Isolation, stories get told, and then they just spread like wildfire. Then, of course, if you're on the ocean for long periods of time, you're bound to go insane. Oh, yeah. And just start seeing things. Crazy. But then that's where it becomes interesting, because then you've got to wonder, were they hallucinating? Or was it real? Or was it real? Because now you're just like, well, now I can't believe anything. Especially when Or I have to believe everything. Or whenever you have multiple stories of the same type from different people across the world. Right. Or everyone on the same ship. That's so it's like, is it mass mass hysteria, mass hallucination? Very, very unlikely. Very unlikely. Yeah. Yes. But if you don't know what you see, and then you can almost be talked into seeing something. Right. Like a cloud. If you're looking at clouds, and I'm like, that's a rabbit. You're going to see a rabbit now. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, and, I mean, you've got stories of, like, Christopher Columbus, who's talking about the, the balls of light that he sees rise up out of the ocean and hover mm-hmm. over everything and kind of follow them around. And you've got similar stories these days of sailors and, and naval ships and that sort of thing who are yeah. reporting lights coming out of the ocean. There's actually a really interesting story um, from a guy who worked on an aircraft carrier. And, um, you know, being a government ship, there are, are times when they're on a mission where they have to basically go dark. And that means everyone gets inside the ship, they cut all the lights off, and there is not supposed to be anyone on the deck of that ship. And um, sometimes it's just for purposes like concealment, like when they know that um, uh, enemy drones or spies are coming by or they're passing an enemy ship or submarine, um, you go dark. Or sometimes it's a, um, a stealth maneuver um, or, or some sort of undercover um, project or... Um, or, or practice that they're doing training, um, but there was there was one time when this guy was on the deck of the ship and they they call um, lights out they call dark, and everyone's inside and he's like well I just got like one thing to finish up and then I'll I'll go inside, <clears throat> and he literally sees um, a bright blue light illuminate from under the the ocean waters. And then it rises up out of the ocean, and it's this giant craft, and it just hovers over the water for a second with absolutely no sound. And it's it didn't really create a wake or anything like that, or a splash when it came out of the water. It was just a very gentle, like, came straight up out, and then it hovered for a minute, and then zoomed off. And so he goes back inside, and he's contacted by his superiors, and they call him into the office, and they were like did you hear us say that we were going dark? He goes, yeah. They were like, why weren't you inside? So he's, you know, telling him, well, I just had like one more thing to do. I was trying to finish it up. And then all of a sudden, you know, I see that. And yeah, they asked him, they were like, well, okay, what did you see? And basically at the end of it, they're like, okay, you didn't see anything. You don't tell this to anyone. You are under a strict code of silence now. Um, this is not to be repeated to anyone ever. It was just Atlantis. Yeah. yeah. But the, yeah, there's lots of talk about, um, not only, um, under deep underground military bases, but, um, underwater military bases. And also that these, um, governments and, and, uh, black projects and, and above top secret projects that they're working with, um, 
basically what what you would call extraterrestrials or interdimensionals um, in these bases and that they're reconstructing craft and reverse engineering craft and that sort of thing so but I mean the the ocean is a vast um, area um, a lot of it is unexplored so it would only make sense to have bases down there as well as underground ocean conspiracy theories are my favorite absolute favorite I do love ocean conspiracy theories mm-hmm. megalodon oh yes because you know Kimberly and I both love the books um, the Meg and then the subsequent books who's the author again Steve Altman I think is his name yeah he signed a book for me and I love it and it's my one of my treasured books yeah um, he's got I think there's like eight in the series and if you've seen the movie the Meg I promise it's good for what it is, mm. but you have to think of it as a completely separate entity from the books because really there's do. so much in the books. Yeah. The, it's just so good. When I heard that they were... So I read the book, The Meg, in middle school, and I absolutely loved it. It was probably the best like shark book that I've ever read. Mm-hmm. And I was like, man, I wish there were more of these... I never knew that there were more of those. Otherwise, I would have read them. I, I got you. I yeah. have all of them. So, yeah, Kimberly's got all of them. I'm, I've got to read them. But the second one is The Trench, and that is just yeah better than the first. Yeah. So when I, I saw that they were making a movie of it, I got super excited. The trailer looked awesome. The first trailer looked awesome. And then the second one got a little silly, and then you saw that there were, like, comic reliefs in there. I'm perfectly fine with comic reliefs in some movies, but some of them, like, if you're making, like, an action horror, like, thriller movie, you do not need comic reliefs, especially in The Meg. Like, Meg is supposed to be this, like, scientific-based, mm-hmm. deep-sea, like, underwater horror. And you, you just can't introduce mm-hmm. elements of, like, hilarity into that. You just, you gotta keep it what it is. So, if you saw the movie... And, and I've seen it, too. I'll admit, like, it's, it's, good, for it's it good for what it is. It's entertaining. It's a Hollywood movie. But it in no way reflects how good the book was. Mm-hmm. So if you didn't like the movie, please, please give the book a chance. Like A lot of people really like yeah. the movie. Even the people that are, like, hardcore Meg fans. Mm-hmm. But, like, one of the scenes, just to give, like, a little glimpse, they they get their first craft down into the Mariana Trench, which is the lowest point on Earth's surface, mm-hmm. well, in the lowest point of the ocean. And they have to pass through this layer of, like, soot at the bottom of the ocean because of all of the volcanic activity in the trench. But because of that layer of soot, it's insulated the trench so it's actually a warm environment. Mm-hmm. Now there's no light, so everything's bioluminescent down there. So think Avatar underwater. Yeah. That's the only way I know how to describe it. Yeah. Yes, it could. And then you've got, like... Um... You know, just the idea, anyone who has thalassophobia mm. is it like... That's, it talks about it, though. Oh, yeah. I mean, because for me, personally, I, I definitely have thalassophobia. Because being in deep water, and it's dark, and there's something big down there, close to you, that you can't see, that wants to eat you, and has the means to eat you... Um, is like the scariest thing in my mind. Not to mention, um, the the book is really good about conveying like the horror of like just the deep sea in general, and also the Meg. Like it's constantly making references to like 
the shark's demonic grin and stuff like that, mm-hmm. and like the cold, lifeless and the eyes. Of the... the claustrophobia of like the the submersibles that they use, and also like being in the trench, that sort of thing. So we're turning this into a mag podcast. Yeah, it, yeah, <clears throat> it really has. But anyways, so so to sum it up, yeah, like undersea conspiracy theories. You know, is the megalodon real? Personally, could be. Could be. No clue. Yeah, and and I could put this in a whole other podcast about how I believe that, you know, that the the um, the dinosaurs are not as old as modern science believes. That there's actually you know reports of um, not only um, younger ages found due to carbon dating, and if you use other dating methods, um, so it's it, it could be that um, we did actually live in conjunction with these creatures. Um, but that's, that's a whole nother podcast in, in and of itself. Um, but, but yeah, so could there be a Meg? Absolutely. Not to mention that deep sea gigantism in general is a thing. So even if you had a regular great white shark that lives at a, a lower depth, um, they're going to be bigger. They're based going, on the pressure. yeah, they're going to be bigger based on the pressure. So could be, could be. And, uh. Loch Ness Monster. Ooh, Nessie. Nessie. Nessie not, of Scotland. Yeah, not to mention... And Nessie was kind <laughs> of like the first of the, the mainstream um, cryptid, water cryptids. Um, because, I mean, for for centuries you had um, a whole bunch of native tribes of different regions around the world who were talking about water creatures and, and sea serpents and lake serpents and all this sort of thing. So you've I mean, that's got, been going on since the beginning of time. Oh, yeah. You've got, I mean, um, you've got Ogopogo, and you've got um, uh, the ones up in um, in Canada, British Columbia. Um, you've got the ones over in Scotland and Ireland. You've got, uh, oh, one of my favorites is Mokele Mbembe in Africa. And it's, it's in the African Congo, and um, the name means one who stops the flow of rivers. And so it's basically a, a theory that there is a sauropod-type dinosaur alive in the African Congo, and that Again, it's unexplored could be. Yeah, and that it's aquatic, and that it'll sometimes come out of the river and startle tribespeople. And it's really cool because when you know they had someone go to these tribespeople and they're like, "Well, maybe they're seeing an elephant," and they don't know what it looks like, and you're like, "Okay, stop calling the people who have lived here all their life dumb." And, and so they, they took a book of different animals, dinosaurs, rhinoceros, giraffes, and, and even animals that don't live in that part of the world. And they also brought pictures of dinosaurs. And, you know, they're showing them an elephant. And they're like, no, 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 it's not that. We know what an elephant is. They're showing them rhinoceros. They're showing them hippopotamus and all of these things. And then they finally flip the page to the sauropod dinosaurs. And they're like, yeah. And they point to it and they're like, this is what it is. And they actually had multiple different, like, subspecies of sauropods, and they pointed out um, a specific one. They're like, and it's more like this one and less like that one, because um, it's got, you know, like, spines on its back and everything. And um, and they even talk about that, that there's, like, a population of them. It's not just one dinosaur, um, but that it's, like, a, a population of them. I mean, honestly, crocodiles are dinosaurs. There's certain species of turtles that are technically dinosaurs. Oh, yeah. Like, why not? Yeah. I mean, you've, you've already got animals like the coelacanth 
I mean, that's that's one of the best examples. I mean, this fish is found in the fossil record, and they thought that this fish was extinct for 65 million years, and then all of a sudden, you've got fishers in um, in like Thailand, Ma- right? Uh, well, Madagascar actually. It was off like the the eastern coast of Africa, okay. um, who had been fishing this thing up for centuries and and eating it as food. And so only recently um, they discovered that the coelacanth was still alive. Not only that it was alive, but it was the exact same as uh, as it appeared in the fossil record. It was basically unchanged over time. Um, and so it's what they call a living fossil. Um, so, yeah, the coelacanth is still alive. So if, if this fish that we thought was dead for 65 million years is still alive, then what else could be alive? You've got um, Papua New Guinea, which is a big oh, breeding ground yes. for stories. Yes, so they they believe that they've seen pterodactyls, right? Yeah, pterosaurs of some kind. Um, they call them the Ropin, and they um, what's really cool is they say that they actually have a bioluminescence to them, mm-hmm. and that they come out at night. But don't they say they have feathers as well? I, I can't remember because it's been a while since I, I looked into yeah, it. Looked but, into that one in a while. but yeah, it's definitely some type of leathery winged pterosaur. It's it's not like a bird, um, but that they they come out at night and um, they have been known to terrorize um, villagers and and humans. Um, but they swoop down from the cliffs and people report that they've seen. Um, sort of a bioluminescence emanating from them, almost like they have adapted this ability to to see at night. Or maybe the pterosaurs have often um, had this ability. And um, it could be from where they're living in the mountain, if they if that is like a true story. Yeah, if they're if they're Any feeding number. off of some type of <clears throat> yeah. bioluminescent moss like or algae. Yeah. yeah, that sort of thing. Any number of things could cause it. Yeah. But I birds in general, what they eat is gonna display on their external skin. Flamingos are a good example of mm-hmm. that. Um just based on their diet will change their skin color right poison dart frogs you know if you mm-hmm. take them out of their natural, natural. habitat mm-hmm. they lose their toxicity mm-hmm. they're no longer toxic so you know if you if you see a poison dart frog at petco you can you can buy one <laughs> they're not going to kill you is that a hint for christmas you want a that, poison dart frog <laughs> i love poison dart frogs <laughs> um but yeah um another great um, cryptid thing is uh, the Thunderbird. I don't know this one. Um, so, based on the Native American legends of a gigantic bird that um, is often seen around the approach of thunderstorms. They say it's like a Quetzal. Um, so, there are two different theories. Okay. Um, there's there's one theory that it actually is a bird, like a raptor of some sort, um, like a giant eagle or um, or some type of scavenger, like a vulture. But it seems to have talons like a, a raptor, um, so that it's it's more like an eagle. Um, and then there are other theories that it is a large pterosaur, like Quetzalcoatlus or something like that. Um, and that I call them Quetzals. Yeah, and uh, and so there have been a lot of sightings of giant um, eagle or raptor-like birds in the Pacific um, Northwest. Um, and then in Canada, all the way up as far as Alaska. Um, and, and actually, it's kind of extended all the way across the United States, but, but there are reports of, um, 
of giant birds that are like so big that they could easily pick up a deer or an elk and carry it off with them. Um, I mean, an eagle in and of itself, a, a bald eagle, it can't pick up a mountain goat, but it can, it can drag it far up off the ground that it's, it's able to kind of hurl it from a mountain perch um, so that the goat basically falls to its death and then they can eat the remains um, down below. Um, but, I mean, they do have very strong claws and, um, and are able to lift in incredible weights. So um, these Thunderbirds are thought to have a wingspan like a, a Cessna aircraft or larger. So, I mean, imagining an eagle that size um, is, is pretty terrifying, but to, to think that it might be a pterosaur, like Quetzalcoatlus or something like that, so is, cool. is really cool. I um, mean, unlikely, but super cool. Super cool. Like, I, I really hope someday that I have the chance of seeing a Thunderbird. <laughs> you know, I, I'll be terrified. I'll be terrified, and I will hope that I'm in a car when I see it. <laughs> um, and, that, and that, it, and, yeah, and that it won't be able to lift the car. But, um, man, I hope I see one. So are we going to touch on Appalachian conspiracy theories, or do we road trip for a later podcast and mm. talk about... Because there's, there's so much in there. Okay, so let's... What, what, what are the Appalachian conspiracy theories? Mothman. Oh, okay. So there's we're, Mothman, we're just talking Mothman, about like cryptids like, yeah, at this point. Okay. I'm still talking cryptids, okay. but like Mothman, ghosts, monsters... Things that go bump in the night. Yeah. You know, don't yeah. look out your window at dusk. You close your your curtains. Right, right. That's a rule. That's a known rule. Okay. Let's let's do let's focus on more cryptids in another podcast because I think we can talk for another. I mean, we're Three almost days. at the yeah we're <laughs> almost at the thirty minute mark, so I think we can talk for another like two episodes about cryptids in general. Okay, so we, do we talk about William Shakespeare then? All listeners who want to hear more about cryptids, raise your hands now. Okay, noted. Good. Gotcha. All right. Okay. Um, okay, so let's move more into the well-known conspiracy conspiracy theories, like the Illuminati. We're skipping William Shakespeare. No, no, we'll get. The, uh, we'll we'll end with him. Okay. We'll end with All him. right, we're okay. coming back Shakespeare. All right. So the Illuminati um, was definitely an organization at one point that was formed in Bavaria, um, and it was said that um, there were certain members that basically had a plan to um, infiltrate various organizations and government positions around the world to confer and come together and try and, you know, control economy and um, population and um, world events, wars, that sort of thing, and have a hand in influencing. So I, I think that the majority of the population is no stranger to the theory of the Illuminati. Um, now, uh, what uh, most people uh, might not understand is that that's kind of an umbrella term because that's there are so many subgroups of that uh, based on um, nation of origin um, and, and that sort of thing that, that the Illuminati has, has come to not represent the original um, the original organization founded in Bavaria but it, it's kind of an umbrella term to refer to any um, uh, what would you call it? A uh, deep state sect that seeks to control 
national mm-hmm. or global affairs. So you've got the... Mm-hmm. Um, so did they infiltrate the Freemasons? That one I know is like a, like a sprinkle so, of theory, but... So yeah, it's kind of... Um, you, you've got the different subsets. So what what kind of Illuminati do you want to be? Do you want to be a Freemason? Do you want to be a... Um, I don't think Freemasons are considered Illuminati, though. I think the Illuminati infiltrated the Freemasons. I think I, I think it's it one of those things different. like it's a it's a step up. It's a it's a stepping stone because um, there's there's a guy named Bill Schneblin who was involved with a lot of stuff um, when he was younger. Um, the Say occult. His last name again. Schneblin. <laughs> and so he was. I mean, he was in, like highly invested in the occult he's actually a christian now and talks about all this stuff and how to recognize um dangerous occult things in everyday life um but he was um he was into freemasonry um he got to 33rd degree freemason which is what is advertised as the highest level of freemasonry but you can go beyond it he found out that way that when after he became a 33rd degree Freemason, he was tapped, and basically they said, "Okay, you can ascend beyond this. Um, so now you can you can go on down this route, or you can go down this route." And then once he got far enough up in one of those, um, then he was being called into. Um, to the the satanic groups, um, which, you know, at, at the heart of it, it's um, w- once you get higher than thirty third degree Freemason, you know, you you begin to learn that um, it's Luciferian at the top, and then once you get past that, then it turns straight up into Satanism, like theistic Satanism, um, and and then that's when it gets really dangerous. So I think that there are steps that you can go up. And then you can get higher, and you can kind of climb the ranks. And so Freemasonry is just one of those. Mm-hmm. And so there are other groups, too. So, you know, if you're just a common person, you can do Freemasonry and then maybe get involved with government or, like, local affairs, that kind of thing. If you're government, you have, like, Bohemian Grove. Mm-hmm. So that's, you know, where they meet on the West Coast, Um and they have the whole ritual where they've got the owl statue, and it's supposed to be the the statue of Molech, and they have the cremation of care ceremony. And there was actually a guy who infiltrated it and got video of it. And, um, and so you get to see, like, all these people in robes, and they're doing this ceremony and everything, and, and the, um, the attendees, and, of course, the media got, like, really angry at him about that, and... Um, but, but, yeah, he did expose a lot of what was going on. He at least confirmed that there is a Bohemian Grove and there are rituals <clears> going on there. Um, so what you believe beyond that is kind of up to you. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. So what's your thought on pop culture artists that go through the same phases, if that mm-hmm. makes sense? So they initially are just like their own little free person, you know, living their life. And then you'll see them become very, very serious. Yep. Very, very serious. They start holding the triangle symbol up mm-hmm. quite frequently in you know music videos. The single eye. Uh, the single eye is a big one. Yeah. <clears throat> and then they go through a humiliation phase, which I am not going to say that this is definitely what happened, but there is a very famous pop artist right now that just came out with a very... 
odd music video where she embarrassed herself the whole time. Mm-hmm. Very out of character for her. She's just come out of a very serious phase, mm-hmm. and she was doing all of that, and now she's in her embarrassment phase. Just very strange. Yeah. Very strange. Yeah, I definitely believe that there is something behind that. Um, and that there, there's plenty of it talked about in the songs themselves. Certain songs will reveal just language that is definitely like occult in nature or mm-hmm. hinting that they are now like in a transition phase into something more important, more serious. Um, it's almost like you get to a point where the artist that you once thought you knew has been subdued and something else comes forward like they're under the control of something and um and either they drop out at that point like completely like you don't hear from them anymore or it's just paparazzi at that point mm -hmm. or they'll start like doing their own independent work right they'll start talking out and then mm-hmm. and then you get into the chance that um like pizza gate that right. one was weird oh that one was really weird <clears throat> um but yeah you'll see um like michael jackson you know it was really weird before he died when he started you know there were like audio cl- clips of him talking on the phone with one of his friends about like you know i'm being watched like they're following me i need to talk to you i can't talk right now let's meet later and then all of a sudden he winds up dead um, and, and this has happened to many other artists that mm-hmm. they start speaking out about it and then all of a sudden, oh no, tragic accident or suicide. And so it just makes you wonder, like, are they being shut up when they decide to get out? Um, it's just strange. Yeah. And, and that kind of leads into the whole, um, like I wasn't even surprised whenever the Epstein stuff came out. Is that like, I don't know if that just like Hollywood has numbed me. Oh, I, yeah, I wasn't surprised at all either. Yeah, there was just so many people that we were just like, yeah, yeah, that checks out. Because that leads into the whole MK Ultra thing about yeah. the, the mind control. That that basically these artists have, ha- have handlers. <laughs> and that these handlers, um, they, they control your entire life. Once you sign that contract... Um, you... Which I don't think it's necessarily a legal contract. N- no. It's more of like, I think... Uh, probably more of like a spiritual contract. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean, you've also got the artists who come out, like um, like Katy Perry, and will say, sold my soul to the devil. You know, yeah. I was doing gospel music, that wasn't working out, sold my soul to the devil. Um, and she went through that same phase of, like, there was that very serious and the embarrassment, and then all-powerful pop artist. Right, right. Uh, Lady Gaga and... Mm-hmm. Um, costume, yeah. Yeah. And, I'm gonna and, throw it out there. It was the Taylor Swift music video where it was just really bizarre. Oh yeah, really, really bizarre. And let's not even talk about William Eilish, <laughs> Billie Eilish. Uh, Billie Eilish uh, definitely like a lot of dark stuff in her albums and um, uh, like like black tar around the eyes and then like the whole like demonically possessed cover that she's got for that one album, but. Um, but yeah, you, you see a lot of artists, if they don't go through that like serious and then like humiliation phase, you see them go through this like dark phase where like they were once a happy person and all this and very poppy music. And then all of a sudden everything gets really dark and like almost horror-esque. Um, and then there's jokes right after. And, and then there's, yeah, there's like jokes right after. And then 
And they're like, oh, no, it's just, you know, just acting, you know. Um, but the problem is, is that you've got tons of young people who are listening to that kind of music. And um, to them, it's just, oh, yeah, it's, you know, pop music. It's, you know, it's something I can dance to. You know, I, I like the beat. I like the rhythm, you know. And when you hear it played over the radio again and again and again, it's easy to just, like, get that yeah. earworm where it's, like, the song in your head all the time. You're like, oh, no, it's fine. I hear it on the radio all the time. But very rarely do they listen to the lyrics and go, wow, there's something, like, really negative and dark or or just disgusting in general and, like, de demoralizing, uh, you know, that where you're basically dehumanizing yourself or, or humiliating yourself. Um, whereas, you know, God tells us that we are, you know, created in his image. We have value. We have worth. And, and that he loves us and cares about us. And you've got these artists basically, you know, making themselves, you know, debased and, and like animals and and going after the, the pleasures of, of the flesh and all this and worldly fame and fortune. And then you've got the ones who speak out about it. And then untimely death. Yeah. So it's weird. I wonder if <clears throat> what we're going to see from Justin Bieber since he went through a weird phase like that. Mm -hmm. And then he had a music video, Yummy. Um, and there's a bunch you can look up about that. Where Do you remember when Anonymous hacked into the Hillary Clinton emails, posted it, and there was a bunch of emails about ice cream pizza as, like, code words mm -hmm. type things. Oh, yeah. And they were to a bunch of the people that were involved with the Epstein yep. trial. Mm -hmm. and then yeah, the Justin whole Bieber, child trafficking thing mm -hmm. that was going on. And then Justin Bieber immediately posted that music video with where he was in a like a restaurant mm -hmm. with a bunch of like older wealthy people children were the ones like waiting the tables and like playing the music and stuff mm -hmm. and there was a bunch of very i don't remember what they said but there was a few really strange clips that you'd have to like pause to read what they said but they were yeah. like gosh i don't know they were just really strange yeah tons of subliminal messaging and then you wonder like who these communiques are supposed to be for or mm -hmm. between you're like, are these communications between the elite? Or is this some kind of... Like cry for help? Yeah, is this a cry for help? Is this like some, you know, alpha wave, like, you know, invading of the mind of the masses sort of thing? Mm -hmm. Because, I mean, television in and of itself, like TV, the whole um, invention of television was a, a mass hypnosis experiment. And I mean, because it, it does stimulate the alpha waves and um, it's it produces the same effect in a brain as when you're sitting around a campfire and you're just staring into the fire. Because like, I know personally, like being around the campfire so many you times, start drooling a little bit, there's something, uh, <laughs> yeah, there's something mesmerizing about like looking into a fire and just staring at the flames flickering and going back and forth. <clears throat> and the, the things that happen in your brain when you're watching a campfire are the same things that happen in your brain when you're watching television. So it's easy when you've got those alpha waves going on to slip in subliminal messaging and it just gets through. It just gets through easier and it just embeds itself in your in your subconscious. Um, <clears throat> so TV was originally a, a hypnosis device and you can see how well that's worked these years. Okay, so, Kimberly, last but not least, 
we'll talk about the William Shakespeare. So take it away. This is my most recent obsession, conspiracy theory-wise. So William Shakespeare, you know, everyone's always said that he looks so much like Anne Hathaway's husband. But oddly enough, I came across a picture of William Shakespeare, Anne Hathaway's husband, don't judge me for not knowing his name, Anne Hathaway that we all know, you know, the Princess Diaries and such, Mm -hmm. and William Shakespeare's wife, Anne Hathaway. Yeah. And the two women, if you took away, you know, like, fillers and makeup and Hollywood a little bit, they look identical. William Shakespeare and Anne Hathaway's husband look identical. Yeah. And the theory is, is that, you know, women weren't allowed to act in Shakespeare's day. So... There's a few theories. There's one time travel, of course. That's always going to be a theory out there. Right. And the other is that they were part of the Illuminati, like, way back in the wind, and, or some kind of, like, cult society mm-hmm. took a life potion of some sort <laughs> and are still living, or that they were reincarnated. Oddly enough, Anne Hathaway, that we all know, was born on the day uh, or on the anniversary of William Shakespeare and Anne Hathaway's wedding crazy 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 and he had a quote let me pull it real quick because we were looking at the picture and it is just bizarre okay 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 so it was it like on his deathbed he was sick he wasn't quite the deathbed um, but he was certainly sick and it just is strange he wrote life is too short to love you in one i promise to look for you in the next life and looking at the picture of the four of them is chilling. Yeah. It's crazy. It is crazy. And definitely William Shakespeare and Anne Hathaway's husband look identical. And there's lots of these things of, mm-hmm. like, celebrities and, like, famous figures from the past that look like, you know, identical. There was one of, like, Keanu Reeves, and I can't remember who else it oh, was. Oh, yeah, and I saw that one. But, and then for a long time there was that whole theory of, like, Keanu Reeves never aging. Doesn't. You know. Plug your ears, Maddie. We love Keanu Reeves. <laughs> <laughs> but um, with that, uh, that pretty much wraps up this podcast. It's all the time we have for today. Uh, the question of the day is what are some of your favorite conspiracy theories? We would like to know. So be sure to go to the Facebook, comment, and let us know what those are. Uh, leave us some love, or you can respond to the questions on Spotify once I post the podcast there. Um, We do have uh, a couple interesting shows coming up. So the next episode, we will be talking about cryptids, more about cryptids, because (laughs) you can't talk enough about the things that go up in the night and all the mysterious creatures that may or may not exist, the fantastic beasts and where to find them. Um... So, uh, we'll see you in that episode. Also, um, my mother will be joining us for an episode on art, because she was an art teacher for many years, and was also big into astronomy and and world history, and, oh, just a, a big culture nut. So, she loves art from all over the world in various different types, and so we'll be talking art with her. And then Kimberly's mother will join us for a very special episode on grief. It'll be good. And how to deal with that. Um, So interested for both of those, you will want to tune in and not miss them. Um, So with that, we thank you for listening. 
if you have not joined the Facebook, you will uh, find us under the Sunroom Musings. We are on Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Audible. We're on Google Podcasts, and um, I think someone tuned in on like a CastBox recently. They did. Uh, not sure who that was. <clears throat> we but had quite a few countries as well pop up. Yeah, and I don't know if it's someone using NordVPN or whatnot, but I mean, we're showing not only people in, in the United States, but in Canada and the uh, UK. U- United Kingdom and Australia. I don't know who Australia is, but thank you. Yeah, whoever Australia is, thank you for listening. Uh, Canada, Jake, if that's you, we hi, love you. we love you. <laughs> um, so big shout out to all of our friends out there. Thank you so much for joining us on this ride. Um, get more listeners, get more listeners. Uh, we will see you all next time. Have a wonderful day. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.